Ladies and gentlemen, for the first time in your city, we have an event like nothing else. We have an event like you've never seen before. In the corner to your right, the remarkable Real Latinos. <laughs> and in this corner to your left, the courageous Criterion Connection. Woo, yas! For the first time, but definitely not the last time, let's get ready to rumble! Somos Real Latinos. Oh, Real Latinos, are we? Mm, very <laughs> nice. <Damn>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I didn't mean to roll the R, but it happened, and I just said I gotta Hola y bienvenidos a Real Latinos. My name is Ismael. This is Ron. Vital. This is Guti. ¿Qué pasó? ¿Qué pasó, mi gente? And we are Real Latinos, a podcast covering Latin American movies because nobody else will. And today we have some very special guests joining us on the podcast. You may have heard him in the introduction. You may have heard him in the Criterion Connection podcast. We have here Ian and Mackenzie. Welcome both. How are y'all? I'm good. I'm how are great. you? Yeah. <laughs> usually that how are you is, is is usually for one person, so I understand. No worries. No worries. Thank you for that amazing introduction though. No, yes, no. Thank you. I mean, Ian, I don't think I've ever heard any ring announcing as as powerful as that in any podcast history. I mean, yeah, oh, thank I mean, you. <laughs> it's really, really, really great. And those R's that Mackenzie rolled is just uh, out of this world, you know? So <laughs> oh my it's, gosh. Just, it's just, uh, you know, that Spanish one really cu coming Spanish in. Spanish one, baby. <laughs> yes. <laughs> coming in hot. Um, so today we are going to be covering Cassandro coming out. Uh, it was already out in Amazon Prime Video, came out this year, uh, came out last week. So if you want to listen to this episode, I highly recommend you go listen to uh, watch that movie, then come back because we will be covering all sorts of spoilers. So again, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers ahead for Cassandro 2023. So uh, uh, before we get started, we just want to uh, platform y'all, Ian and Mackenzie. So first off, let, let's start one by one. Ian, <laughs> so let's start with you. Uh, can you give us just a little bit about yourself and um, what podcast you you host? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, once upon a time, Ishmael, I used to host a podcast called What Was Your Favorite Part, which you mm -hmm. did an episode for that has never I been did. released. Uh, not been <laughs> no, not yet. Maybe someday. Um, but yeah. Let's I, not get down on people who have podcast episodes that haven't been released. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's fine. We'll yeah. get to it. We'll get yeah, to yeah. it. Yeah. We all yeah. get it here, okay? Uh, um, needle drop, man. Gosh, Lynch, jeez. Ooh, ooh, ooh Mackenzie. Shots fired uh, at you. Shame of Shots my life. Everyone yes. here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no. Uh, the reason that podcast has kind of gone away for the time being is because I just got to be a little bit of a drug doing something all by myself. Mm -hmm. And uh, one day I mentioned to Mackenzie, who uh, we were becoming fast friends, uh, just kind of hanging out over Zoom just by ourselves not recording it or anything and i just was talking about it mckenzie was like well i podcast with you and i was like you have no idea what pandora's box you've just opened <laughs> um because i really just love hanging out with mckenzie and talking about movies and uh she hosts a podcast called austin danger podcast which she should definitely talk about here in a second <laughs> uh where they talk about you know about funny silly movies from the 90s and beyond 
related to the Austin Powers franchise. Uh, but I was like, I'm going to provide an opportunity for you to talk about high art. So, Ooh. um, <laughs> fired. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Hey, I Kim love, I back. love ADP. We're pitch. talking about 2003's Willard this week. <laughs> that's not <laughs> the art. of the board will have its day. Okay. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just really wanted a forum to talk about films that I love. And I just, I love the Criterion Collection for what they do and what they provide. Um, the service of restoring films and, um, yeah, just getting to talk about those films with Mackenzie and other folks, including your ho- golden Hollywood resident, Guti, uh, right. has just Ooh, been an yeah. absolute joy and continues to be a pleasure. And hopefully we'll have all three of you on at once and individually in the future. But yeah, that that is that is my brief uh, podcasting CV. There it is. That's the Criterion Connection. And what was your favorite part? So uh, thank you so much, Ian and Mackenzie. A little bit about you. How you doing? Yeah. What's up? I'm doing great. I'm vibing. I'm just completely <laughs> vibing. I got my cat next to me. I have my buds in front of me. Uh, yeah. I mean, I feel like I've been podcasting on the internet for uh, too long because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I used to do, I mean, even before all of my village pods, I was doing a lot of uh, RPG podcasts, Dungeons, Ooh. Dice, and Everything Nice, uh, Rise of the Demigods, which I don't even know if episodes are out anymore, but Dungeon Wives, something I did with my wife. Um and then I started kind of transitioning into wanting to talk more about media and film with my friend Ned. And we have a presumably on hiatus forever, even though maybe one day we'll bring it back. Uh, Desperate Housewives Rewatch podcast called it with oh, Siri wow. Gaze. Um, and yeah, and then kind of around that time that podcast was waning, I got into the village. And yeah, me and Kev just sort of started a bit that has never stopped with Austin Danger podcast and is genuinely a joy and it's I was saying before the podcast uh, and Kev this is the first time you're hearing this as you're listening to this podcast episode that Rachel calls you my work husband because we have uh, become uh, he's like a brother to me and I feel like we've just become really close friends throughout that podcast I think you can hear our friendship just like deepen and deepen mm-hmm. as the podcast has gone on for now almost two years which yeah, is super uh, almost silly. 100 episodes by we the are way. so close to 100 episodes we got wow. big plans for episode 100 and 2024 and so it will be great and then yeah of course you know Ian and I also similarly became like really immediate friends and I was wanting to watch more Criterion films and the podcast was a great excuse to do that and uh we were so excited. I know we both were excited. I don't want to speak for you, but I know we've both been super excited to come on Real Latinos because we love the show. You do a lot of Criterion, obviously, episodes as well, Amores Peros and Chronos, uh, mm-hmm. I think, like one of your first episodes yep. ever. Like yep. a lot of Criterion uh, films here on this pod. And um, recently I was, I love the new, I mean, I know it's not new, new anymore, but the new tagline of, uh, you know, we were covering Latin American films because no one else will, which I think is. <laughs> hilarious yeah. and great and one time i was pitching this podcast to like a friend recently and said that tagline and they went oh <laughs> <laughs> like it was like the saddest thing they've ever heard and i'm like no it's like they're filling a gap they're filling a needed gap in media and like podcasting you don't get it um so yeah i'm just so happy to be here and really honored to be asked uh, to be here well that, that's that's fantastic thank you so much thank you so much both of you yeah uh, for joining us oh ron go ahead sorry well, just, yeah, we're, we're happy to have you, uh, you two with us. I actually, I was going to ask really quick. Um, I know both of you have listened to a number of our episodes and watched a number of the movies we covered. Uh, do either of you have a favorite movie that, that we've covered that comes to mind? Putting it on blast, I see. I'm pulling up the, <laughs> the lists on Letterboxd right now. <laughs> yeah, I know that Mackenzie was going on a, a little... A little 
a little journey there. I'm on a catch-up uh, journey. I still have the Black yeah. Vampire Blu-ray in my living room. I have to watch. It's been busy. <laughs> Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah. It's been a busy yeah. few weeks. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, I think the biggest surprise... Uh, oh, hmm. I don't know. I just watched La Bamba and it was so good. Actually, Macario. Mm. No, Macario. That was the, my yes. favorite surprise because I watched that and immediately fell so completely in love with it and five-starred it and listened to your episode and loved it. Um, what a freaking movie. But also, <laughs> Mama Tambien is like, even though it's Oof. like one of the OG, OG episodes, that was like, I don't know, like y'all had the sauce. Like it was like <laughs> episode three and I was listening to that and you were getting into how it's like a coming of age for a nation. And I was like, oh, they got the sauce. <laughs> Uh, and that and that and that is so why I just I love that episode like I love that discussion as well as that movie but uh, on my kind of catch up that I'm still in the middle of uh, Macario is probably my favorite like new to me film that was mm-hmm. like that like blew my mind that y'all did and yeah. another great episode. Yeah. I, I, I would also yeah. say Imama uh, Itumama Tambien, uh, but I mean I think I've said that on three different podcasts that I've listened to that <laughs> that episode. That's okay, we don't mind hearing. We it. don't mind <laughs> it. Yeah, I, I love that. What a movie. I love that uh, episode that y'all did and got me hooked on the show. Uh, Memories of Underdevelopment was a huge Oof. one for me. Yeah, uh, y'all covered wild. that, and I love that movie, even though it uh, was. A little controversial. It's a, <laughs> it's a very it's a controversial on the podcast. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was a great it's film. I was happy that you all opened my eyes to it. Uh, and the other one I would highlight, and I would, you know, I think I extended this uh, thank you to uh, Gutsy, but thank you to you, Ishmael, and Ron for highlighting my review for Clara Solo, which I think is an amazing, beautiful mm. film that you all covered. Um, I actually had come to that a little bit before, but I was so thrilled when y'all talked about it and had an amazing conversation about it. That's an amazing film that everybody should go check out and then listen to y'all's episode about. And the Criterion collection should add it immediately to the collection. It's a phenomenal film. Tell them, tell them, use your, use your Criterion connection connections as you will (laughs) to get that on the, get that on the collection. I'm always in that suggestions at criterion.com. The (laughs) amount of times I've told them, please do like a whole, like, mexican american or just mexican movie like uh series i don't know i think i think they're really tired of my shit at this point but i know know, (laughs) uh movie is kicking their behind in that regard because movie has recently just done a couple of like mexican cult cult classic cinema programs i've seen Mm -hmm. some other latin american programs go through on movie so hey criterion movie's coming for you movie's coming for you and movie feel free to sponsor real latinos if you'd like (laughs) 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 i did just send a email to the criterion suggestions which i have no idea if anyone reads about my cardio because like (laughs) why doesn't that have like a good release like why am i I watching this movie on youtube like i have no clue and you know what's even it's crazier is that like just last year they had like this huge restoration and they Mm. played it at the academy awards museum movie theater and it was fantastic it looked amazing and um i think uh danny trejo like did an introduction for it uh wild (laughs) uh, love um, him love machete (laughs) yeah yeah machete (laughs) just came out and was like yo (laughs) my god is wild and um yeah i mean i don't know why it hasn't had some sort of like physical release anywhere um I mean, I think it's prime for a Criterion, criterion release. Criterion, get it's just, on it. Yeah, yeah. Get on it, Criterion. They did just put Pinocchio in, though. 
They, they love did. Their G- they love well, their GDT. They love him. They love him. But how are you not going to love him? I mean, Guillermo del Toro, he's, uh, he's the, the nation's guy. heart. He's the sweetest. He's amazing. Gosh, I want to give him a big old hug. You know what I mean? But uh, <laughs> one day, one day. GDT, come on Real Latinos Challenge. Uh, we, need to, we need to tweet at him or something. Yeah, we need to we we start a campaign. He's so online. I guarantee you if someone <laughs> tweeted on him, like at him, he'd be like, yeah, sure. When do yeah. I show oh, up? Oh, man. <laughs> well, let's do it. Let's do it. We're going to start at... Hashtag GDT on RL, please. <laughs> like, I, please, 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 please. Put like five pleases on that hashtag because good Lord. That is me. Like if GDT comes on the podcast, I don't know. I I, 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 I like even thinking about it. I just, I, I'm like short circuiting. I can't, I can't think about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, we love Guillermo del Toro. Please come on the podcast. We love you very much. Uh, Pinocchio, what a, what a movie. He's going to have Frankenstein next, I think. Good Lord. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, that's Isaac, right? It I've heard that before. Isaac. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's all rumors. It's all rumors. But uh, if we get him on the podcast, we'll get the inside scoop. So let's, let's do it. <laughs> um, so uh, let's talk about today's episode, which is about Cassandro. Cassandro, uh, we're going to get some historical context right now from Guti. So Guti, go ahead and take it away. Our film today deals with one of the most famous exoticos of Mexican lucha libre of all time. I figured we should talk a little bit about their history and the sport. The history of Exoticos in Mexican Lucha Libre dates back several decades and has evolved over time. The origins of Exoticos can be traced back to the 1940s and 1950s when Lucha Libre was gaining popularity in Mexico. At that time, the sport was dominated by traditional male wrestlers and Exoticos emerged as a way to add diversity and entertainment value to the matches. These wrestlers challenged traditional gender norms by adopting feminine or androgynous personas and incorporating elements of drag into their performances. One of the earliest and most influential exoticos was El Bello Greco, who debuted in the 1950s. They were known for their glamorous outfits, makeup, and flamboyant personality. El Bello Greco paved the way for other exoticos to follow, and they soon became a popular attraction in Lucha Libre. In the 1970s and 1980s, Exoticos gained even more prominence with the rise of wrestlers like El Santo, Blue Demon, and Mil Mascaras. These legendary luchadores often faced off against Exoticos in high-profile matches, further solidifying their place in Mexican wrestling history. During this time, Exoticos faced both admiration and controversy. While some fans appreciated their unique style and entertainment value, others criticized them for challenging traditional gender roles. However, Exoticos continued to thrive and gain a dedicated fan base. In the 1990s and 2000s, Exoticos experienced a resurgence in popularity. Wrestlers like Cassandro and Mamba became household names in the Lucha Libre world. They brought a new level of athleticism and showmanship to their performances, captivating audiences with their acrobatic moves and charismatic personalities. Today, Exoticos remain an integral part of Mexican Lucha Libre and have become icons in the wrestling world. They continue to push boundaries and challenge societal norms while also entertaining fans with their unique style and in-ring abilities. Thank you so much, Guti, for yet another wonderful historical context. You really, you know, you always knock it out of the park, Guti. Uh, I really don't know how you do it, but um, you know what? It's just because you're a professional and that's what professionals do. So thank you so much, Guti, for yet another wonderful historical context. And, um, with that, let's also go in to see what's happening in Cassandro. What's what's happening in this movie? Uh, Ron, why don't you go ahead and give us a synopsis for Cassandro? Saul Armendariz is a gay wrestler performing as the villain character El Topo without much success. 
He meets a wrestler named Sabrina, who agrees to train him and encourages him to adopt a new persona, that of a maskless exotico. Saul unveils his new look, calling himself Cassandro, at his next match. Essentially wrestlers in drag, exoticos are usually straight wrestlers adopting feminine characteristics for comedic effect and never allowed to win matches. Initially met with ridicule and harassment, Sandro's charm and charisma, combined with his amusing antics in the ring, win over the audience. Even though he loses the fight, the crowd is far more invested in him than the winner. Recognizing his growing popularity over his next few matches, the promoters allow Cassandra to start winning, increasing his fan base. Though his popularity as Cassandra grows, Saul's personal life is a different story, struggling to maintain a relationship with his married romantic partner, in terms with his relationship with his homophobic father, and dabbling a little too much in the excesses that come with success. After Saul's mother passes away, Cassandra has the biggest fight of his career against the son of luchador legend Santo. Later, joining Santo Jr. on television to discuss his career and his status as a gay wrestler, a young man in the audience tells Saul that watching Cassandra wrestle gave him the courage to come out to his own father, who greeted him with love and support. Inspired, Saul meets and confronts his own father, letting him know that he no longer seeks his approval. Everything wraps up in a neat little package, and Cassandra goes on to be a gay icon with impeccable hair. Ron, you two, you've done it again. I mean, Ron and Guthi, I don't know how y'all do it. Uh, I'm just here, you know, basking in the glory of the historical context synopsis back to back every single day. Um, so uh, thank you again, Ron, for a wonderful synopsis. I mean, what a movie. Uh, as we said before, there were spoilers. So if you listen to the synopsis and there were spoilers in it, I'm sorry. We told you already up front. So you can't get mad at us. You take that to the bank. So let's get into our hist uh, respective histories with this movie, whether it be with the filmmaker, with the actors, with whoever you'd like to talk about. So let's start off with our special guests. So Ian, uh, what would you like to uh, bring up for your respective history with Cassandro or anyone on the on the creative team? Uh, yeah, no. So uh, with the film specifically, I became aware of it uh, when it premiered at Sundance because I am a freaky... A little cinephile, and I just am always following those festivals and seeing what's coming out, even though I, who live in the middle of the country in North Texas, am not going to get to see most of those movies for maybe a year, two years. Um, so I just, I, I just love to torture myself. Um, so I've been aware of the film for quite a while. Um, have a decent relationship with Gail. Um, I've seen Eat Two Mama Tambien, I've seen The Motorcycle Diaries. I feel like he's somebody who most um, people, especially in like the English-speaking world, will have seen more than they even realize because he just pops mm -hmm. up in things and he's had some crossover success in Hollywood. There's also uh, U.S. television as well. So I've seen him in quite a bit, more than I could probably list off just here today. Um, yeah, and I, 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 I uh, other than that, I'm not familiar with pretty much any of the other stars including um this guy i'm seeing uh his name is bad um oh <laughs> my god oh, i'm Dude. honestly thank you i am wow. so shocked that wow. you do not know who this is like yeah I, okay. okay let me clarify <laughs> i know who bad bunny is i've heard the name uh he did a couple concerts up here and it was 
a big stink because it caused traffic jams and <laughs> uh but aside from that, I've seen him on the cover of a recent Vanity Fair. I think he's promoting something. Right. Um, but <laughs> maybe you mentioned in our DMs before the show that uh, you know something, 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 Bad Bunny, and I was like, oh, oh I wonder if Bad Bunny's in this movie. And I went and looked at the oh cast list more closely, and I was like, oh, <laughs> really? okay. that's Bad Bunny. Great, you know, cool. Um, I mean, it, it, it's okay because you at least knew more than I. <laughs> I did because I've been doing this podcast with Ismail for a year. I've been hearing him talk about Bad Bunny uh, for a year. And every time he brings him up, I want to ask him if Bad Bunny is in the room with us right now. <laughs> I thought he made it up. I don't know what a Bad Bunny is. Even uh, I don't yeah, know which yeah. character he played. So uh, I'm, I'm going to learn right now. He's, he's like, literally what? they brought him in to like, do the most stereotypical thing. With, well, I'm not, I'm not going to get into it. We'll, we'll get into it. But. <laughs> not to, that's like, look, okay, right? That's Bad Bunny, right? Not, he gives him the yeah, he's, he's very good at skiing. So, yeah. Oh, that was it? Okay, okay. That's Bad Bunny. I'm not going to sit here and claim to be, like, a Bad Bunny stan, but he was, like, the most listened to artist on Spotify last year with, like, almost yeah. 20 billion streams. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and he okay. would, if you don't know Bad Bunny, if it wasn't for my lovely fiance, I would not know who Olivia Rodrigo is, who I love, <laughs> who I love, but, but I would not know. Um, anyway, all that to say, didn't know Bad Bunny was in this. And the last thing I'll say before I pass it off to my lovely co-host, Mackenzie is that um, I'm I was never I was not at all familiar with the director of this film the filmmaker mm. behind it I had never seen any of his documentaries and I'd never even heard of him until this and I think that will come up a little bit later when we talk about the filmmaking and the way that this film was executed but alas that is it for me mm. it's a great to hear uh, from a self-proclaimed freaky little fil film of what you say freaky, little, freaky cinephile. little cinephile oh my god that's incredible uh yeah i'm uh, oh my god I still can't. okay sorry uh let's go with Mackenzie. so Mackenzie, what's your background with um with this movie yeah, I mean, I was super excited as soon as I saw the plot of this movie, and I were big uh, Gail Garcia Bernal fans in this house. He's so beautiful and so talented, and we're obsessed with him, Rachel and I. Um, and so I was just like, oh, yes, Gail playing a gay wrestler. That's like what I want to watch. Um, there's a deep lore part of me. Uh, when I was a kid and we had did not have cable, I watched a lot of wrestling. Uh, and I was a huge Rey Mysterio fan. And I found Ooh. out that he... I found 619. Out that, yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> I had... I was, you know, it was also the era where like John Cena was like the guy. So I had a chain gang spinning oh, wow. necklace. Spinning, and I went, oh, oh. I went to WWD, WWE SmackDown versus Raw Live. Like oh. I went to, I was like a wrestling person when oh I was a kid. Oh my god. Um, and so I haven't really followed it in recent years obviously but like when I was little it was like there was nothing else on TV so like this is what we watched pretty much. It was like Winx Club and then WWE Smackdown. Um, <laughs> uh, and so I had like I, I was just excited based on the whole the, the plot of it basically and I was just like immediately looking forward to this movie and I think I immediately pinged y'all and was like are you doing this movie because I am just so excited for it um, and I was we were joking that like this is the most prep I think I've done for him <laughs> for a movie ever <laughs> and this is not even a podcast I do weekly um, so yeah I sought out I you know I was looking up Roger West Williams the director um, I did watch his series High on the Hog that he did two years ago which is uh, like a four episode docu-series on Netflix that he directed about uh, 
West African food and how it influenced the African-American diaspora and like Southern food specifically. And mm. I love f- things about food and cooking. And so it was like all up my alley and uh, it was really cool. I just wanted to kind of get a taste of his style of directing before I dove into Cassandro because um, he's primarily a documentary and this is his first narrative feature and i think that's definitely will be something that we'll talk about um yep (laughs) show a little bit that this is his first time doing narrative work but um i'm not but again no hate the high on the hog was really great i think it's on netflix i recommend checking it out um and then i was like ravenous to look up cassandro and the person he was so i read a lot of profiles uh i watched this great documentary from like four years ago called cassandro the exotico which is on tubi to watch for free or canopy um, and so, yeah, I did a lot of just like research. I just wanted to know what he was like and, and was, he still is alive. I don't know why I keep referring to him in the past tense, but I, I wanted to know about like the kind of person I was going to be seeing. So I had like a basis to go into the film with. And, uh, yeah. Also, I guess outside of that, I do know who Bad Bunny is. And Thank you. Thank I do want sh- <laughs> oh to shout God. out Roberta Calendres because she plays Sabrina in the film, yes. which seems to be a character made up for the movie as far as I can tell, but she is a lesbian icon. So I have to, I have to uh, shout her out. She's on a league of their own. She's on, Oh my God, Vita. I think she's on Vita. Vita. Um, mm-hmm. And she's so hot <laughs> in that show. It is <laughs> disgusting. Uh, and so the lesbians, the sapphics, we do, we do love ourselves some Roberta. So that felt like a very like <laughs> conscious casting choice they made to put, I mean, honestly, like bad bunny appeals to the gays as well. Like he's very popular amongst gay men. He and is, he so is. like, I feel like with Roberta and bad bunny, they were doing, they were doing something there <laughs> with that casting and, <laughs> and I saw it, I noticed it. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with in terms of like wrestling and Cassandro and the actors and yeah. Amazing. Now let's go with Guti. Guti, what's your, what's your background? Cause I know that you're not really a wrestling type of guy. Yeah, I'm not like I, I mean I know like the, the the main guys you know like Steve Cold Austin and stuff like that, but I, wrestling did not was not like a big part of my life growing up. Um, even though like I did know those popular wrestlers, uh, the director I've not seen any of his films before, so this was the first time for me. Um, as far as the cast goes, got got to see a bit of that. You know, fan of the show, always is on here. So always uh, on. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. very very much in love with him as well. Very good guy. Uh, knows how to act. Uh, and then uh, I'm also aware of Bad Bunny, uh, who Thank gets you. often Thank played you, in my Guti. playlist, even though I can hardly understand what he's saying, and wow. I speak the language. Uh, yeah. But very good guy, very good guy. Uh, if this song is playing, I will definitely be the first one on the floor twerking, so it's fine. Uh, oh, wow. The next... <laughs> For the Patreon only. <laughs> the Patreon only. The only fans, uh, the real Latinos only fans yeah. is Guti <laughs> twerking. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, and then apparently I've seen Raul Castillo in films before. Apparently he's in Knives Out, um, <laughs> and he's also in Cha Cha Real Smooth, uh, which I famously am not a fan of, and called Me white it, called it white bread cinema. <laughs> but um, <laughs> you know he's pretty good in this too. So I think that's pretty much everyone that I have a connection to uh, in the film. Ron, how about you? How how, how well versed are you with Bad Bunny? <laughs> we don't we don't need to do this. Um, <laughs> So the I okay, uh, Gail's the obvious thing, you know. Um, five time returning to uh, to real Latinos. Um, I've also seen a bunch of other stuff that he's in. Um, the the two that I want to mention, I adore Roberta Calindras. Uh, she was my favorite character in A League of Their Own. Yes. Um, also, you know, uh, 
Ismail, she pops up very briefly in Birdman. I know, I know. Um, I saw so, Broadway Woman you know, on the Street is yeah. how she's credited. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. 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 Um, and then uh, also, too, so there's someone that pops up in in this movie, uh, the, the son of a uh, uh, mm. arguably the most famous, famous luchador, uh, Santo. And Ismail, Ismail and I actually went and saw a movie with him when he was a little kid. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in, in the theater. He pops up in a movie with his dad, so it was cool to see him hmm. in this. Uh, the one that I wanted to bring up, though, uh, uh, among all this bad bunny crap, oh, wow. uh, is uh, a guy named Joaquin Cosillo. Yeah, love Joaquin. Because I, I, I know that you do, because uh, the gif that you use most often <laughs> in the 19 discords that we're in is Joaquin Cosillo. Yeah. Uh, so whenever he popped up on screen, <laughs> that is all that I could think of. And it was... So distracting oh while I was watching this movie. God. So, um, yeah, like that's that's the one person that I definitely wanted to make sure that we talk because that is my history with him <laughs> is uh, Ismail's overuse of that GIF. <laughs> Wait, what is this? What is this GIF? Can you send it to our group chat? Yeah, I, I feel like right I'm now. trying I to identify I which saved. GIF You'll this see. is. Here, let's go. GIF. What film is it from? Favorites. It's from El Infierno. Um, oh yeah, there we go. There it is. How oh, well. It's that one. It's got a little head on the H. <laughs> Fantastic. Love it. I just, yes. the whole time I kept expecting him to do that <laughs> exactly, even though I knew that this wasn't oh that movie. God. I kept waiting for Should it. Should I choose El Infierno for next week just so you can get context on this fucking gif? Oh, man, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Wait for the end of the show. Oh, man. Joaquin Cosillo. What a guy. All right, I'll go next. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so Joaquin yeah, Cosillo, Israel, what if you, what he's, uh, he's, he's great. I really love Joaquin's movies. Um, he's just, uh, he's on another level. Really, truly, he's just, uh, for all the listeners out there, you should definitely check him out in El Infierno. It's where the gif is from that I use all the time, but uh, probably mm-hmm. one of his best roles, like as Cochiloco. He's, he's very, very, very well known for that role because he just knocks it out of the park. Um as a narcotraficante, but this is not a El Infierno podcast. Maybe not yet, but uh, um, yeah, Joaquin Cosillo, he's great. Um, El Hijo del Santo, of course, fantastic wrestler. I can't believe they got him to show up and then like he was in the ring and stuff. I was like, yo, what's going on here? Let the man rest. Um, so that was a big thing. Uh, Raul Castillo, yeah, I've seen him in a couple of things. Also saw him in Wrath of Man, um, directed by my boy Guy Ritchie. Uh, but uh, yeah, and then obviously, as we all know, Gal Garcia Bernal, the goat. I mean, at this point, he's just a, like a Latin American cinema stereotype because he's in everything. But uh, <laughs> he's wonderful. He's absolutely wonderful. And so, um, yeah, that's my that's my whole my whole. St- oh, and of course, Bad Bunny. You know, <laughs> yeah, uh, love Bad Bunny. Of course, uh, he's, on, he's on he's on hiatus right now. He's on hiatus right now with uh with uh with this household just because he's. He's out with a with a Jenner, you know, and that's yeah. just um, that's not how we roll. So, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, him and Timmy. Oh my gosh, what? yeah, yeah, it's a yeah, big yeah. thing. That's public. Yeah, yeah, the Latino <laughs> culture, Latin Latina community has not been very uh, receptive. happy about that. <laughs> yeah, not very happy. <laughs> not <laughs> very happy about that whatsoever. Um, and we can get into a whole bad bunny discussion, but I know that Ron's just gonna uh, leave the room. <laughs> Because that's so funny to hear you say that because I know the white girl community has also been losing its mind over Timmy. So, like, I feel like there's a <laughs> presentation across all, all platforms just, uh, with a gender a relationship. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, me. All right. 
So uh, now that we all know where we stand on this move, before we get into it, let's go into the major points that we wanted to go into. And the first thing that we're going to be pointing out today is that of the film versus the real life, um, the real life story. So we know now uh, what Cassandra's story is, thanks to the synopsis. Thank you so much again, Ron. Um, but we also wanted to see how that relates to uh, uh, well, we should say Saul, Saul Armendariz's real life and how uh, how the director decided to choose what comes into the movie and not. So, uh, Mackenzie, why don't you go ahead and take it away on uh, your, your notes for the film versus the real life? Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, I mean, this was my biggest point I left the film thinking about that I've been thinking about since I left the movie. Um, mm-hmm. Um, it's just gonna be up front. It's my biggest detriment, I think, to the film. There it is. I, there it is. Uh, it's it's a big, big old negative for me because I watched the doc first and I got to know the real Saul, the real Cassandro, and this person who is so just in like had is had eight concussions and so many injuries and has mm-hmm. fought through so much, including um, substance abuse problems and like. Yes, the death of his mother, which is present in this film. Um, they don't get to it as much in that film, but like every profile about him talks about this suicide attempt he had before the Santo match, which like, mm-hmm. why is that not in Insanity. this movie? Um, like a lot. He's he's fought through so much, and I think that's what makes him so inspirational. And um, there's just so many like large things that I learned about from the documentary and the profiles I read that were just nowhere to be found in this movie in a way that I just found it kind of confusing. Like it it was like they were almost avoiding these things because it was, it felt to me like the filmmakers were maybe um, scared to complicate him. And I'm like, but because you don't want to complicate him, there's no stakes. There's no, and like, obviously the stuff with his mother is compelling, but it seems like that was really rooted in the director's relationship with his mother and father that he wanted to sort of tell through the story of Cassandra, which is like Mm -hmm. fine, but yeah, I felt myself missing. Like once I saw the real life, I was like, I was missing a lot of these aspects that like, you know, like he was very viciously gay bashed by other wrestlers and he talked about it. And the most we really get is just like them kind of talking about him behind his back. And, mm-hmm. and I, you know, we, me and Ian are bringing the queer perspective here. I know. And it's like, you know, sometimes being queer is more than just a few slurs being hurled at you every once in a while. Sometimes it is like very real danger that you're in especially someone like him at the time in which i mean post like in the middle and just out of the height of the aids crisis homophobia was rampant it was a thing and there was just i just felt like there was a lot left on the table with the story once i saw the real life which i saw the documentary and i read stuff and i watched like this other short thing that was on youtube and i just was like where is all of this stuff i I felt like the film in hindsight then felt a bit shallow to me so, yeah, sorry to start it out with, like, the negative point of view, but <laughs> that was at least how I felt after I left the film. I was like, I wanted more. Like, when it ended, I was like, that's the ending of the movie? Like, it was just him walking yeah. off. I was like, yeah. I turned, Rachel and I turned to each other. We were like, why is that the end of the movie? Nothing happened. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know. I I was a little let down, I think, in that aspect, that it didn't feel like it painted the full picture of a very inspirational person and and. The substance abuse stuff is specifically very special or like or not special, but close to my heart. You know, I've loved people with substance abuse problems and in the doc watching his pride at cleaning up is like, I don't know. I just had someone pass away recently from substance abuse and like, I loved that moment. And he talks about his mother, not knowing him, not as a drug addict. And like, 
that was not in the film. He did coke a few times with no consequences like that. <laughs> Whatsoever. I, know, I, just, <laughs> I just was like ripping my hair because I was like, there's this person's more special, I think, than what I'm seeing on the screen. Um, even though Gail is doing his best and I think he's doing an amazing job here. I just the, the, the disconnect between real life and the film, I think, is what got me. Yeah. And it's so like unfortunate to see, especially from a documentarian who is like, I mean, if you make documentaries, you know that, you know, there's so much more like complicated nuances to what a who a person is especially like if you're a documentarian you just like all you do is try to get like like be a fly on the wall get the truth of what's happening but here it's just like so many things are omitted um i feel like there's like very surface level things like you know there's homophobia and lucha libre yes it's a very <laughs> much machista culture yes and it's like all right but what does it say about cassandra what does it say about saul it's just you know it's unfortunate. It's really, really unfortunate. And uh, I concur. Yeah, I, I unfortunately did not really enjoy the way that... Because um, I also watched that documentary that Mackenzie's talking about. And um, I watched it just like literally like an hour ago. <laughs> I finished it up. And um, and I watched it like afterwards. So I had like the, the opposite effect with Mackenzie where like the first time I watched it, I was like, all right. Like I, I, I feel like... Like I, like I feel like as a movie in and of itself, I think it's just kind of like bullet points, surface level sort of things. But then once you watch the documentary and see like so much more about who Saul is, it just makes the movie all that more like, you know, under, not undervalued, just underwhelming. Underwhelming mm. is the word. It's just, you know, Nimo, what are you, you going to do? Yeah. What are you gonna do? I mean, it's, and I mean, it's interesting that, that you two bring that up because, you know, I, I didn't, wasn't able to get to the documentary. So really I'm just going off the base of the film and I did feel like it was pretty service level. Like it didn't feel like it had a lot of energy, which is kind of weird. There's, yes. I mean, there's moments where when he's in the ring that I kind of felt it, but I didn't feel like, I don't know. I didn't feel like I was at this great event, especially if he's fighting at Santo and, or at Santo Jr. In, in Mexico City. Like, come on, that's like a big event. And it just didn't it's feel... It's huge. <laughs> and it, it just did not, you know, it didn't give me that, like, awe-inspiring kind of, like, look that, you know, he's come from this background that, you know, he comes from this background, and now he's made it all the way to Mexico City. And even with the, even with the death of the mother, like, there's some sort of, like, relationship that's built there and whatnot, but even the death, like, I mean, it didn't necessarily hit me as much as I would have liked it to. And I mean, it felt they rushed, only, literally, it? yeah, they literally only like have that one scene where they're seeing like people immigrating over the border. And really I couldn't even tell, you know, it didn't like, okay, yeah, she didn't, are you taking your prescription? So that's pretty much like the only kind of nugget that we get that she's dealing with some sort of problem. And all of a sudden, you know, she passes away. So I didn't think that was well done. I mean, I was joking about Bub Bunny earlier, but like his character, I don't know what exactly he was doing there other than being like, I guess, sort of kind of like this other interested lover for Cassandro. But then at the same time, it's like giving him Coke and like, it, it just, nothing was really developed. And I mean, I, I know why they brought Bad Bunny in for like business and stuff. The marketing, yes. baby. I, I, told, the I marketing. totally get it. Like He you know, is the fan. <laughs> yeah. I, I totally get it. But like, as far as like artistically, I just don't see the need for his character really. Um, and then another question I got, actually was going to bring up to y'all was, did you know that he, this was taking place in like El Paso and then he was going to Mexico City? Because I didn't because I hadn't seen the documentary beforehand and I didn't catch on to that until that scene where you see, where, you know, he mentions the kind of immigrants going over the border. 
Like, I, I don't know if I just completely missed it, but I well, had no sense of location whatsoever. Well, what I no, yeah, saying, they I, they mentioned fairly, fairly early on that it's at the El Paso Juarez transporter. Yeah. Like, go ahead, Ian. Well, what I will say is, that, like, I, I, I have some things to kind of expound on what Mackenzie was saying, but I do think that there are some issues with the filmmaking and not to kind of also be on like the you know downer train with this because there are are definitely some positive things and things that i liked about this movie but uh you can really tell that this was made by a documentary documentarian you can tell it was their first feature there's a lot of choices in the filmmaking that i uh found i was kind of like pumping up against a wall with and one of the things is that exactly guti is that um the geography of this film is not really well communicated and nor is the time. Like I was like, when are we? And I would not have known at all when we were, if I had not been following along with the Wikipedia mm-hmm. and to but- kind of like tack off of that into what Mackenzie and Ishmael were talking about. Um, I was a little disappointed. I did not watch this documentary just like you didn't Guti, And I don't believe you did Ron. No, I, yeah. yeah. So that I, was a conscious choice though. Yeah, me too. Um, cause I knew Mackenzie had watched it and I figured <laughs> I one of y'all would watch it and I kind of wanted to be like this, like, you know, uh, you know, I wanted to have a little bit of naivete in that department so we could have yeah. an interesting conversation, but I read the Wikipedia and I read a couple profiles. I think one also that Mackenzie read and I got a better sense of who Cassandra was and who Saul was, uh, from those articles than I did from the film, which is somewhat upsetting because like you you would hope that a biopic uh would give you a decent sense of who someone was and again i feel like this uh plays into the fact that this was a first time narrative feature uh by a documentarian i have some other gripes that we can definitely get into later <laughs> if we want to talk about the filmmaking uh on display here but um my biggest disappointment was a you know a lot of things that have already been touched on, but to deepen them a little bit, like the bad bunny character I thought was completely superfluous and not really well acted. No offense. Mr. Wow. Bunny. Mr. Uh, bunny. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Um, bunny. Quito, sorry. But I have a but, girlfriend, uh, by the way. The, yeah. I just, I didn't really buy into that performance and Mackenzie and I talked a little bit about this in our own DMS, but I, I felt like not even, it wasn't even that there were no consequences to the use of cocaine, but the use of cocaine felt incredibly fake. Like it did not feel like there was any weight to that. It did not feel like the filmmaker was interested in addiction. I mean, I think it's very clear that he wasn't interested in addiction because we barely, honestly, you would not know that Cassandra was more than a recreational drug user. You would not know that he was an addict if you had not done some further research um, furthermore, you would not know that he suffered from mental health issues because like Mackenzie brought up really briefly, like the gay bashing is never covered in this. He just gets the F slur hurled at him, you know, a handful of times by crowds. Um, and I just don't feel like that went to paint like a really holistic picture of who Saul was and the experiences that he went through and led to certain things like in the wake of his mom's death, committing like taking his own trying to take his own life and you know i think what would have happened what does happen in the film during that giant fight uh in mexico city would have been felt with more weight and more gravity if we had known the trauma that had just been you know just almost become him um so yeah it's like little things like that that kind of add up to the underwhelmingness that we've all kind of touched on for the most part 
And this is just something that I find happens a lot in, in biopics because people try to do cradle to grave. And while we're not trying to do cradle to grave here, we're almost trying to do it. So we're trying to tackle so many different things and then we're omitting some of the most important things. There just seems to me to be somewhat of a lack of focus on the most important things in Saul's life. Um, and the last thing I'll add before I open it back up to the floor is, Guti, you mentioned uh, how kind of underdeveloped you thought his relationship with his mom was. And I agree with you. And I just want to I just want to add and maybe somebody else wants to comment on this. I knew she was dead as soon as the medicine was brought up. And that was a kind of a bummer for me because I didn't know what was going to happen to mom. And as soon as Gael is like, are you taking your meds, mom? I was like, oh, she's dead. <laughs> and I just, again, I, I, again, I want, I want to get to positives later on, but again, that was just one more thing that was like, this is like, obviously the script by a first time narrative screenwriter. Like, you know, it's because the director did write the film. Can somebody remind me of his name? So I stopped saying director. Uh, his name is Roger, Roger Ross, Williams. Ross Williams, Roger Williams, Roger Ross Williams. So yeah. Uh, Williams, you know, first time writing a narrative feature, first time directing one. There were just these things that I felt like he was falling into the typical pratfalls of, you know, lackluster biopics. Anyway, that's, that's most of my big gripes. Uh, but, you know, again, can't express enough. Gael It's amazing in this movie. Mm-hmm. He imbues he imbues Saul and Cassandra with so much uh, sincerity and empathy. And that is definitely something I want to get into. And later. how about Gael's ring skills, too? I mean, he was putting in the work. He did his Putting, stunts, yeah. He did stunts. He did those stunts. It's really, really no, nice really. to see. Those are, those are him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I did not know. Some of them were like in one shot where like you'd go and do the flip and he'd turn yeah. around and it's still him. And I was like, yo, we're going to go back. <laughs> so, that was yeah, it. I was trying to pay attention. I was like, oh, like that, that looks like him. I think he actually did that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's 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 cool to hear that he actually, you know, yeah. yeah. Hmm, that, that Marvel superhero. Right, right, know. yeah, yeah. Uh, Ron, you're, uh, you're, I don't know if you want have anything else to say about like the film versus the real life. Yeah, so movie. I'm going to go ahead and play devil's advocate. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, just, just just for the sake of conversation. I can't I, believe I, you would I agree with everything with you guys are saying. I mean, it's just... Wow. Uh, <laughs> I mean, How long have we known each other? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so uh, I, uh, I purposely didn't uh, watch the documentary. Um, I'm the type of person that when it comes to biopics and like works of uh, historical fiction stuff like that i'm obsessively on like wikipedia or google or whatever like i want to know what's fact what's fiction stuff like that um but knowing we were going to have this conversation and knowing before i watched the movie that uh, mckenzie had already recommended the the documentary i decided i'm, I'm gonna, probably going to fire it up once we're we're finished recording this because it does sound really good but um yeah i wanted to go in as as cold as possible on it um so and hearing everything that that uh that you guys are saying about um the the real person versus what's depicted in the film um i wonder i looked in the the credits and i don't know uh how much involvement if any he had with the production of this um and i can't speak for uh the uh the intent of of you know like the filmmaking choices and stuff well i wonder because one of the things that stood out to me and and we've brought this up in real latinos before particularly in our ariel awards um episode is as soon as I saw that this took place at the El Paso Juarez border, I was like, oh, here we go. This is going to be, you know, like that area has a certain reputation. And I thought that that was going to play a major role 
And a lot of people have an issue with uh, Mexican or Mexican-American um, not culture focusing so much on um, on crime or poverty or, you know, immigration, what have you. Um, and so I kept expecting that, and it never showed up. I also expected a hate crime or, or something with a considerable more weight than was depicted to show up. And I'm wondering if that was a choice. I'm wondering if... Like they specifically omitted those things because they they were trying to depict, you know, like I don't know, for lack of a better term, like his his joy in in being the wrestler. Um I'm not saying it was a good choice <laughs> because yeah, like it's you know, like the, the movie's light as a feather. Um <laughs> as as entertaining as it was to, you know, to watch Gal Garcia Bernal, you know, like in the ring and stuff. But um so yeah, like I I, I wonder like, you know, whether it was just trying to like rush through everything because you you figure like those things that they omitted like those are major tearjerker you know like awards bait moments mm -hmm. so it's really curious that those are the things that um that got left out and i i wonder if it might be because like maybe they felt that you know there's already a lot of stuff like that and maybe that's just not the kind of movie that they they, they wanted to make so you know i the the reason I said it is because, like, we, you know, we were talking about Pablo Lorraine in our last episode, and I really liked the movie Spencer, but I remember when it came out having a conversation with my mom about it. She didn't make it through the movie because she loves Princess Diana, and she felt that the movie was disrespectful to her memory, and, like, her thing was, like, just leave her alone. Um and so, like, I wonder if part of it is, like, is, is that just, like, trying to be, like, okay, like, maybe this is, like, a hero. They don't want to get the messy stuff. They just want to, like, you know, like, fast forward to that that kid that stands up in that that television set yeah. taping and says, like, hey, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, you know, you know, that that bait yeah. moment that, you know. <laughs> um, so I just, I, I wonder, like, I'm, you know, I, I don't really agree with all the choices myself, especially hearing what you guys are saying, because, you know, yeah, there was obviously a lot more that they could have uh, put into this to to give it some more weight especially given the actor that Gal Garcia Bernal is he it's not like he couldn't handle it oh, so yeah, yeah. Um, I mean I was yeah. talking to Rachel about it and we were like yes there are sometimes like and I say this affectionately like baby gays on the internet who are, are like we have too many sad movies and it's like okay but like this stuff is a part of our lives. Like, like right. gay bashing and is, is happens, uh, especially at that time, especially to people like Saul and like substance abuse is a huge problem in the queer community and rates of suicide are very high in the queer community. And like, I think if you're, if you're afraid to like tackle those things with, especially with a, when you're focusing on like a real queer person, I just don't think you should be making that movie then. Cause like, yeah, if, cause then to me, I'm like, what's the hero's journey? Like, what is he overcoming? What is he actually pushing through? And I was reading about the Santo fight and about how like, it was because he was getting so much homophobia, so much backlash when the, when the ring, when like the match was announced, that was like, how dare Santo go into the ring with this probably terrible words. Right. And that's what prompted this suicide attempt. Uh, and another um, Exotico who he's like really good friends with is who saved him, who I think maybe the Sabrina character was trying to sort of replace that, which again, her and Bad Bunny, they both, everyone felt kind of underdeveloped. Like what was Sabrina really doing there? Yeah. Um, yeah. Other than to just kind of be like a friend. Like, and if for me, I'm like, what if that was <laughs> another Exotico? That would have been more interesting to have someone who like gets him maybe a little bit more. Um, 
but I'm, I'm, it got myself distracted. But then there was, I was reading about how like he picked himself back up and he showed up with wrist wraps on covering his injuries to do the fight. And I'm like, what an amazing visual of like, I, I, I'm high, like, you know, he's hiding his injuries, but you can't really hide these, you know, you, people know what it is when they see it, Yeah. but he's still going to get in that ring. He's going to lose with his chin held high and it's going to be the turning point in his career. Like that is primo biopic shit and it's like yeah. real life yeah. and i'm like right. so i'm just literally like where the where is it where is it so yeah i i yeah. i agree with that me and rachel also had that thought of like were you just too cowardly to go there uh and if that's the case too then i also hate that yeah i mean <laughs> with the with the lorraine film focusing on diana spencer that does not purport to be a you know a true to life you know, account right. of Diana's life. That's a horror movie no. told through the lens of Diana's life. Um, uh-huh. And I love that movie. She's also no longer with us and Cassandra yeah. still is. Yeah. Precisely. And I also don't know what, if any, Cassandra's involvement was in this film, but this is purporting to be like the true life story of Raul's transformation into Cassandra and the rise of Cassandra and the rise of the Exotico. And um, like... You know, I could not say it any better than Mackenzie said it her, herself, but like it makes me think of a film that we covered on the Criterion Connection uh, called Paris is Burning. Mm. And it's a beautiful film about the queer community, about the ball, uh, the ball community in New York and drag queens and trans folk. And it covers a wide breadth of topics, including trauma within the queer community, suicide, homophobia, murder. And we talked about this in our episode, but that film covers all those topics while never, ever, like, um, fetishizing it, never, ever uh, making it, like, any more, giving it any more power than it needs to have or overshadowing the joy that these people have in their community. So I just think there was a way in which they could have depicted, you know, all of Cassandra's trauma and all of his hardship and then that glorious triumph, because as it was, I think I, I think I might have said this, but like Mackenzie's right. Like this could have been this amazing moment in this movie. But as it was, it felt a little hollow. It felt as if like there was no real catharsis. And I felt this a lot in the movie. And again, I think it just goes back to like uh, Williams being a documentarian. I did not feel like I did not feel a really big or grand arc at any point during this movie. Um, I like how you put it, Ron. What did you say? It's like as light as it was, you know? Light as oh. a feather. Yeah. Light as a feather. Light Stiff as a feather, as a board. Yeah. It just, yeah. Yeah, it just, it just <laughs> felt, it felt, it, I felt that feather lightness a lot. I never felt well, like any real, you know, well. boot drop or anything. Anyway. What's sad too is that they even have the visual of having masks and not having masks right there. And yeah. You know, you know, no, what's with that? How come, how, how come they don't have masks? I mean, Exoticos, Exoticos can definitely wear masks. It's just like the, the, like the, the choice of wearing a mask is just depending on like, you know, the persona that you want to like put out there. Right. And so I think, um, by choosing not to have a mask, like you're being much more vulnerable out there. Oh, I mean, again, this is just me looking in, like, I don't know if I'm looking too much into like luchador, you know, culture and how that could uh, like affect the movie. But, you know, like when you wear the mask, like 
you you're occulting like your true true self as much as you can so much to the point that like they'll bury you in your mask like when el santo was right. buried uh when he died and, and he was buried uh he was buried with his mask like because that becomes like like the new like persona that you're putting out there for the world to see whereas like when you don't have the mask you can still have a persona but like that disconnect is not there anymore right that disconnect is so much harder to create whereas like again if you have a mask it's so much easier like you could take off your mask and no one's ever going to know that it's you um whereas here uh as el topo i know that uh, uh saul has like the persona of el topo before and el topo has a mask on right and so it's like almost like as if you know saul is like like guarding himself and not wanting to show off his true identity only until he becomes an exotico and becomes like, he like really shows off who he truly is and like becomes aware. Like this is like one of the, one of my favorite parts of the movie is like when he first does his entrance into the mm -hmm. ring as Cassandro, like it yeah. starts off as like, should I do this? I can't believe I'm about to do this. Like that's the yeah. face that you see from guy, uh, like in the expressions. But as soon as like the spotlight hits, He starts to like get more comfortable with himself, more comfortable with himself. He's like, you know, like he's just like starting to really truly express who he is without the mask, right? And like it becomes like like Saul becomes Cassandro, you know what I mean? So much so that when he's talking to, you know, his lover, he's like talking about Cassandro and the lover's like, I don't want you to talk about Cassandro that way because because now like Cassandro's becoming so much of what Saul is. And um yeah, it was just um Yeah, I think I think I think he definitely could have done something there, but uh, it's not there. So, well, uh, I think it's. Yeah. I, I know not all exoticos are gay. Like I don't. I'm not. I don't think that's like. I think oh, it's, yeah, it's that's a performance style. Yeah. Um, but it is a good metaphor. I feel like for coming mm -hmm. out, right? And like, I it, it, at the top when it, when he's watching the other exotico on on stage and he's like oh, doing this like shimmy incredible. like it moved me. I was like, because you, it's that moment of seeing someone that's like you, you know, in any way that like feels special and um so i did love that i also was reading a lot about how like cassandro was technically the toned down uh exotico persona he tried after a more flamboyant one that and i'm like th that's oh, wow. another kind of biopic thing why didn't we see the trial and error it's like he just immediately mm -hmm. came up with this character and that was it like <laughs> what if he tried another character beforehand because he did in real life like i feel like there was just beats that like that like belong in normal like sports biopics that like just weren't around but um something i thought was interesting i learned in the doc is that like Exoticos like obviously like having your mask taken off is like the biggest shame you can have as a as a, mm -hmm. as a, as a luchador. Yeah. But I like that with exoticos a lot of times it's hair. Like I learned about that in the doc. Yeah, is that the they get their hair yeah. shaved off because uh, that's kind of their mask to the world. I thought that was kind of interesting. And I mean, Ismail, you know, because you watched it, but like they definitely make him a bit more conventionally attractive hair wise. Cause like the real oh, yeah. had like a eighties below yeah. out mama, yeah. like, yeah. like yeah. curls <laughs> blowed out Farrah Fawcett realness. And so like, it, I feel like it makes it more like a, a risk to lose when it's that intense. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel exactly. like I all had a more kind of, kind of mask situation going on. Uh, <laughs> right. right. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. Like baby mullet. Right. Yeah, you know, it was like you know a weird, like, yeah, it was like a cut mullet. The way it cuts over his ears was kind of yeah. wild. Like, how much upkeep would that take as a haircut? Like, I feel like oh, God. that's tight above the ears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, and just and just photos that I've, I've seen of Cassandro, he really reminded me of this, uh, 
the psychic that my mom watches on Lucian, <laughs> Walter oh, Mercado, yeah, like Walter that hair. Mercado. He had like the, yeah, like the same haircut, like it's almost the same haircut. Um, but I also wanted to bring up too, uh, Ismael, that you were talking about the uh, kind of like that moment, that first moment that he's going out to perform as Cassandro. Uh, the needle drop in that movement is um, "I Will Survive." Yo viviré by Celia Cruz. Yeah. For those who may not know, Celia Cruz is like one of the biggest like salsa musicians of all time. And she's and, and it's so fitting for that moment because mm -hmm. she's known for wearing like these colorful outfits and whatnot and just being this like very lively performer and she's actually like beloved in the queer latinx community so just playing that song was actually like a really good really good choice even though i guess you could say it's a little on the nose but i i, I really loved it yeah the other on the nose needle drop too was that with uh, juan gabriel juan gabriel also yeah. absolute icon in the in the queer community and uh, for latin culture so um like again, but then again, I think this is this leads me into like the next point that I would like to talk about is like the positionality of the director and the writer and like how that affects the movie because I feel like a lot of the stuff was just so surface level. A lot of the things is like this happened, boom, this happened, boom, to the point that like I just like like Mackenzie brought it up how um uh the director, what's his name again? Is that Roger? Roger Russ Williams, how he said in an interview talking about how what most spoke to him was the relationship between Cassandro, his mother and his father and how, like how that whole deal happened. Right. And you know, that's, that's good. That if, if that's what you're connected to, then, then tell that story, you know, like if you want to tell that story, focus in on like how that affected uh, Saul in the, in the grand scheme of things. But even then I just felt like, you know, by wanting to add that so badly, but still not giving it the focus that that deserved. It was just kind of like, I just felt like it was lost, you know, like I felt like it was like an out. So since, okay. So he's a documentarian. He's, I'm assuming that he feels, uh, normal being an outsider documenting some, someone else or something else and trying to like get the, the truth out of it. But when he becomes the writer and is trying to like, like speak that truth for the, for the, the subject, I don't know if that's really being executed all that well here, just because, you know, uh, as y'all have said, pointed out many times, this is like very like biodrama by the numbers, you know, like, uh, the tone feels really slow or muted. Um, and then not only that, but also feels rushed. Like, like the death of his mother is such a huge thing for Saul in real life, but here it's just like, all right, we're going to be here for like three minutes and we got to go over to Mexico city to go, uh, with Hijo del Santo, he's going to start doing cocaine and like nothing happened. I'm just like, all right. Like, so we're just going to totally forget his mom, I, I guess. And so, um, I don't know. I just feel like, um, yeah, I feel like, uh, when you're a documentarian and you're making documentary, it makes sense to be that fly on the wall because you're getting the subjective view of what's happening in the scene. But, now as a documentarian becoming a narrative filmmaker 
you're kind of like forced to have something to say or be forced to like tell the story how you want to tell it, not just like the way that it's going to play out. And so because that like that's going on here, I just feel like they're not doing such a great job with that because, um, you know, in order to tell like the story that I feel like a lot of us were hoping for, I feel like he's probably should have done a little bit more like in-depth analysis here. I even said that Saul Armendariz was a um, consultant for the movie. So if you had Cassandro there to ask all these things, you probably should have had Cassandro there like way earlier in the writing process to like try to really figure out what's the story you want to tell here. Because I just think that it's like kind of all over the place and um, ends up being just like, you know, any other biopic that anyone could have made. You know what I mean? I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. In fact, I was proposing to Mackenzie earlier today that like this could possibly have been really well executed and really fascinating if we had focused in on the Mexico City fight. Mm. And Saul had had the opportunity to excise a lot of his demons and his trauma in this concentrated time frame. Because as a you know, Guti and I were talking about up front, it was really hard to tell where and when this was happening. Um that's not as easy as people think it is, Steven Spielberg, uh, <laughs> case in point. Uh, but, you know, my favorite biopic of all time is uh, Danny Boyle's Steve Jobs. And that makes a very unique choice to set all of the conflict in Jobs' life around three Apple product launches. Mm-hmm. Well, two and the next. I I just do think that what you're saying Ishmael is that this is very paint by numbers. And I think there was a lack of maybe narrative vision from Williams that, uh, you know, little, little choices were made, I think is what I'm really trying to say. Mm. Anyway, Mackenzie, what did you want to say? Oh, no, I just like, again, like I don't ever want to call this, I don't want to call the director like an experience. I mean, he's won an Oscar, right? He won an Oscar yeah, for short form documentary. Yeah, very, very well done. <laughs> yeah. And so like, but, but doing a narrative feature is a different beast. And like, this is his first like script that's been become a feature. And I think, yeah, I just think it shows a little bit because I, again, I, I don't, I feel like I'm making a broad assumption about this man, but in that interview I sent you, he was talking about how like he, yeah, he connected with the relationship with the parents and, uh, dad who wasn't in his life and he he talked about how his mother would drive to these baseball games and and she would watch the dad play from far away so like that wasn't even a cassandra life thing that was just like the director's life <laughs> and so i'm like then why is this in the movie like and yeah. and so i found that very str- i mean maybe cassandra was like yeah i did that too and then i bonded i have no idea but like i was just like <laughs> that and because also i was thinking you know again like this is just stuff from the doc like yeah, his dad was apparently a shithole for a lot of his life, but then, like, later in his life after the mom died, they had a relationship. And, like, in the mm-hmm. doc, you see them eating at a graduation barbecue, and he's like, my dad is the man I love most in my life. Da-da-da. And so I feel like uh, Williams is trying to do this climactic moment of, like, I don't need you, dad. And, like, yeah, as, yeah, as, yeah. And, like <laughs> as a queer person who has a shitty relationship with my dad, who has also had that I don't need you, dad moment, um, it wasn't climactic enough or earned. It didn't feel really earned mm. by the film. And and then the movie, like, ends immediately after. So then I go, oh, was <laughs> yeah. that supposed to be the climax? Because, like, that didn't do anything. And so <laughs> no. uh, I'm so sorry this has become the Real Latinos Criterion Connection rag on a movie for a two hours <laughs> podcast. Hey. But yeah, like I, I, sometimes it happens. It's not the first. Yeah, time. It was like, it was like the choices he made weren't even technically like 
maybe even a part of Cassandra's life. Like what? Like were you just making shit up half the time and then omitting <laughs> everything else? Like I'm just confused by this movie. Yeah. Uh, and again, I so desperately wanted to like love it. I like came to this movie like so ready to love it. Mm. Um, and again, like I know I feel like we're all kind of saying like obviously the performances are really good. I even love the actress who plays the mom. I thought she was fabulous. And like mm-hmm. I I I think everyone was doing a good job with the like script they were given. Um, the costumes were amazing. I actually quite liked the cinematography. Maybe that can get us to like that aspect I would, of yeah, it. Yeah, let's get into I some know positives. Ian did not like it. I like the cinematography. Because oh. um, it I has too. I liked documentary it. Yeah. style. I watched High on the Hog, which similarly has that sort of intimate, like just sitting in the room with someone vibe, which like I think he's bringing that documentary brain to mm-hmm. the cinematography here which so i enjoyed the way it looked and the way even though i thought like maybe for the subject a bigger bolder brighter kind of film might have yeah. been more apt for the subject matter mm-hmm. um but yeah i don't know so sorry we can shift to positives i don't know i feel like i've been yeah let's get into let's get into some positives i totally agree Mackenzie, that like i think uh, not to make like a direct one-to-one comparison, but I really like the way that uh, Rocket Man like handled it, where like they got the subject of who the movie's about and used like the subject's identity into the filmmaking aspect. Yeah. Of it, right. Whereas here, it's just kind of like, all right, <laughs> like the, they they don't really use like Cassandro's personality mm-hmm. in the filmmaking. But I will say, I did like some of the some of the choices. I like the. The aspect ratio that they had it was kind of like a almost like a like a box TV, which is usually where you would watch Lucha Libre. So I was like, all right, maybe maybe that's why it's there. Mm. Um, and I also really liked the the camera lenses and lighting choices during the luchador like scenes when they're actually fighting, oh. like that um that light refraction going into like the the whole uh, like it looks very much like the TV that I would watch when I was younger of the luchadores like it looked exactly i was like wow this is like exactly what it was like um or when they had the cameras um at the end with hijo del santo with the with the the program um that looked exact like it looked i was like is this archival footage or what and then it wasn't and i was like oh snap like like that was it was that good so uh yeah it's it's not all bad you know (laughs) it's it's not all bad let's get to some let's get some positives in here anyone else have anything positive to say i'll say um that while i didn't like a lot of the choices when it comes to like how it was filmed i really i agree with you ishmael i really love the ending and the way that that uh television special was filmed i that that to me is the most impactful moment of the entire film mm-hmm. i think i think we might i think we might all agree on that i think it's that was definitely my part, yeah. it's, it's a beautiful moment but the way it's filmed specifically like it does look like archive footage the way that the zooms are uh used in that sequence the way that the you know it's very obvious a um you know like a a uh, television camera that's being used for certain parts of it mm-hmm. not a film camera or a you know or an ari or an alexa it's very clear like that some interesting choices were made and i thought they really benefited the film in that moment as as far as the filmmaking um i do like a lot of it was fairly by the numbers, yeah. but I did like some of the choices. Like you, I like all the stuff in the ring. I was enamored Same. with. Um, I thought it was really, really well done. Both the way the little shot and um, the way that uh, Val Garcia Bernal like acted. Again, super impressed that he he did uh, whatever yeah, stunts that he he did stunts, do. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I gotta say like, there is one point where he, when he jumps the ring as Cassandra for the first Oof. time, he does the superhero landing, 
Like he actually does the superhero <laughs> landing and like it, it, it worked. Like I was sold on it. Um, but a lot of that has to do with who it is that is on the screen. Um, and I, I think that's, that's the thing with this is, and I know that he's the exec producer too, but like he's doing all the heavy lifting in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know if, if this works at all, I don't know that, you know, what works works because of him, Yes, I guess is, is, is what I'm trying to say. Like I, um, I, I do I haven't seen any of his documentaries. I, I think that there is um it, it's it's not bad filmmaking. It's just kind of like boring. Yeah. Like a lot of it reminded me of like lifetime movie kind of yeah. kind of territory. Um which I think so you brought up Rocket Man and I think the 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 flip side of of the Rocket Man coin is Bohemian Rhapsody oh, which <laughs> Freddie Mercury is more dear to me than most members of my family. <laughs> so, um, and if if any of them are listening, that's not a surprise to them. <laughs> but, um, so, but also that was definitely, even though the surviving members of, of of the band were involved with the making of it, it was definitely a movie that was made by committee. Um, and choices were made not because they serve the story or whatever or the legacy of the man. It's because there was... A very specific goal in mind and you know i mean rami malik won an award so <laughs> you know i guess they achieved that goal but Oof. um it, it it feels like the thumb of that was going on here um so and i know you asked me for pauses but that's just like how yeah. i feel about the filmmaking of it it's all good um, uh, but other than that, I mean, like, okay, I'm one that usually hates flashbacks in movies, and I actually kind of mm. dug the flashbacks in this. Um, like, I think a lot of it has to do with the kid that they used as oh, yeah. um, as the young version of him. Um, but uh, I think that that was some of the more subtle filmmaking, I guess, um, because there was some some of those bits, not all of them, a couple of them were like, you know, a little the the one at the end where he's watching the the match with his dad, and his dad uses some slurs that that was a little like in your face over the mm-hmm. top. But there were a couple like there's the um, the part where uh, his mom takes him to meet his dad, and it's like it's obvious that like she's intruding on like a yeah. family outing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really like that part too. That was kind of yeah. well done, you know. Um, so, uh, but yeah, uh, honestly, other than than. Um, than a couple of the performances. Like, I don't really have a ton positivity <laughs> to say about it, to be Let's honest with you. Let's talk about some performances then. Why don't we go, why don't we go ahead and go there? Because Gael García Bernal, absolutely stellar. But I mean, it's just par for the course with this dude. He's just the best. How are you not going to like this guy? Um, is let's just back, go. Is his back okay? Because he carried this movie. I don't know. That so, was insane. Yeah. <laughs> so far. Like, is his. Roberta helped a she little did. bit. She's she was good. trying I do, her best. I love they Roberta. didn't give her a they lot gave to work her with. Nothing to do. Yeah. <laughs> but I do love her. <laughs> um, no, I mean, yeah, he's just, he's so good. I think he has the physical, like the physicality in a fun way. And like, there's like the little isms, the like, I know. We're not supposed to say it, but the, like the kind of limp wristedness that I love, the the floppiness, oh. but like also like you see him controlling himself based on the environment he's in because that's a survival tactic. And um, yeah, I loved it. I loved his joy. I loved watching him in the ring and like knowing he, you know, you can see him doing these stunts. You can see him committing physically to the role in a way that is so impressive. And I just like. I just don't know. Like he's just so consistently amazing. Like I just watched him in 
actually a Spanish film, but uh, La Mala Education by Almodovar. Oh, um, uh, yeah. Which is technically, a, yeah, yeah, technically a Spanish film. So he's having to like do more of like a Spaniard accent in Espanol. that film. Yeah. yeah. With yeah. The, the S's. I was like, Rachel was like, I was like, yeah. as I watch more real Latinos films and more Almodovar films, that's the what I notice when I'm listening to people speak yep. Spanish is the S's the S. in Spain. Always listen to that. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, <laughs> and like having, hearing him have to do that. I read somewhere that like Almodovar was like, I won't give you the role unless you prove you can do that accent. And I thought that was funny. <laughs> but I mean, like, that is, like, such a hard role he's playing in that. And, like, I think it's just one of the most stunning performances in, like, Amador's entire oeuvre that I've seen. And, like, he's just so consistently incredible. And, like, he can make anything work. And so, like, I did have a, just a base level of enjoying the film because I love watching him on screen. Mm-hmm. Like, I could literally just watch him read a phone book and be like, five stars, let's go. <laughs> uh, like, I just, yeah, I love him. I need to watch more, honestly, because he's just so incredible. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, his physicality, it's, it's crazy because when Gael's physicality as an actor changes between Saul and Cassandra, it is incredibly enjoyable to watch i loved watching him go into the ring and just take on exactly what mackenzie was talking about this poppishness this just like debonair flamboyant flamboyancy just it 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 was not over the top either it was incredibly subtle but he has like this like sly grin like ooh, you hate me Ooh, i love it um and i i loved it. it he he he's so amazing and i think aside from that and the scene that I mentioned in the television uh, studio where the young boy tells Cassandra that he helped him come out to his dad. My favorite moment in the film is when he gives us near the very end that stare right down the barrel of the lens. And there's just so much empathy and so much pathos in his face. It's crazy. There are very few actors who I would say that about. Um, like, just off the top of my head, maybe Anne Hathaway, Shelley Duvall, and Gail. Yeah. Like, and Bad Bunny. Yeah. Oh, he did but, so bad. Um, <laughs> Anyways, he's not good. He's not great. He's just there uh, to be hot. Just, that's just one person. Like, yeah. I was literally, yeah. I was sure. at least hoping him and Gail would like make <laughs> out. Like, I'm just yeah. like, least hoping for that. <laughs> one kiss. That's Y'all, it. <laughs> Yeah. It's somewhat funny that this came up and has become such a thing because the Vanity Fair cover that he's on that I'm talking about is literally sitting on our kitchen room table and we had a whole conversation, my sister-in-law, my fiance slash wife, whatever, and I <laughs> about how unattractive he is. <gasps> wow. He's cute. I'm not, so sorry. I'm not this even attracted to men and I think he's cute. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, we all have our taste, Mackenzie. Um, <laughs> but uh, aside from that, um, everybody, everybody in this movie is actually like really, really good. Mm-hmm. Like I enjoyed the performances mm-hmm. like down, like down the call sheet, like pretty much loved everybody except for everybody. Wow. I mean, Bad Bunny does not really do a great job. As as much as I love Bad Bunny, uh, yeah, he dances like a goof at one point. I was like, why are you putting this man dancing like this? It looked real <laughs> bad. Um, yeah, he's just there to give Gael some coke and kiss him once. And that's it. I was like, all right. <laughs> uh, and yeah, of course, marketing. I mean, uh, I know that it was a really big thing in like Latin American Twitter and like Latin American uh, TikTok that like, oh my gosh. Gal Garcia Bernal is gonna kiss Bad Bunny. <laughs> that, that was like a big thing. Um, that was but, all the know. advertising was just Gal Garcia Bernal kisses Bad Bunny. A new clip <gasps> from Cassandra. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, and the only clip, actually. Yeah, literally the only clip they've released. I mean, I was literally (laughs) thinking, like, man, I wish I could read an interview, and I realized we're on strike, and obviously, hopefully, the actors uh, get what they deserve. But I was sitting there being like, why have I not seen any interviews about this movie? And maybe that's also a hindrance, is because like Gail and Bad Bunny and all them can't do press for this movie right now. So like, yeah. 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 Uh, But the the last the last. uh, acting performance that i would like to say is joaquin cosillo uh as i, yeah, I mean <laughs> dude he's 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 awesome dude like he really i don't know he's just got this charisma about him i just really really enjoy he's like he's like that like a really cool uncle sort of thing where like you know you just kind of keep it on the down low but he's really awesome it's just like i don't know yeah i just wow. i really really like his performance joaquin cosillo he's just uh he's great he plays he's, the he's promoter really, right he the, does oh yeah, he's, yeah, yeah he's so good he's so yeah. funny yeah, he's and really sweet yeah. and like yeah yeah he's just uh like the way that he's like all disappointed like no we're not gonna go to monterrey yeah. no we're not gonna be able to go and that's because we're going to ciudad mexico baby it's like <laughs> oh shit <laughs> like that was great you yeah. know so like uh you know i just but then again i'm like totally biased with joaquin cosillo he's just i really love the man he's he's a really great actor so you know that that's the last thing i'll say uh good we haven't heard from you for a while who who uh who do you want to highlight i mean i think you guys have highlighted everyone that i wanted to highlight all right yeah yeah <laughs> Hijo de Santo too i'll say dude's is 60 years old and he was in this movie and that was wild oh. so yeah that it was super cool that it was actually yeah. him like that that was that was really cool yeah. to see yeah. i can't imagine how intimidating that should would be as an actor to like because clearly gail was having to do stunts with him like i feel like i would be so terrified to go up against him i would be horrified not only because he's an icon but he's a 60 year old icon about to do some fucking lucha like it's just like one <laughs> false move and you're like break the icon's leg or something like oh no like ah oh, gosh yeah insane insanity <laughs> so uh so yeah i think that about does it with all the major points that we're going to talk about anyone else want to say one last thing before we get into our final thoughts no all right all right so uh why good. don't we go ahead and get started with uh Mackenzie? let's oh. go with you <laughs> yeah, let's, uh, what, what are your what are your final thoughts and your rating for for cassandra i'm so scared i didn't want to go first because i i'm i'm just nervous i'm ner- i've uh, been debating this so if long you want, we can we can put good the end of the bus if you'd rather us do no, that no it's okay i i'm curious <laughs> i'm go. curious if my rating is gonna shift the vibe um no i i you know yeah i I think this movie like has good things going for it, but ultimately at the end of the day, it was really hard for me to put aside how shallow it felt to me and how like, I literally like, as soon as Rachel and I finished it, I put on the doc again and I was like, Rachel, please just watch this. <laughs> like, like just what? And then immediately you see these clips of the real Cassandro in the ring and she's like, Oh, where was that? Mm-hmm. And I could just say that for the whole movie. I, since three stars is good and I don't know if this was a good movie for me, I'm going two and a half stars. Two and a half stars. I am going to give it a heart. I liked a lot of it. It just, I wish it was better. Like it was a movie I so desperately wanted to like more than I did. And I, I, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think it did not um, honor the legacy of the real Cassandra and the way it may be aimed to. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I, I totally, I totally agree. And it's, it's unfortunate it's unfortunate um why don't we go uh with ian ian what are your, your thoughts and rating for cassandro 
Um, he is a harsher yeah. raider than yeah. I am too. I'm like it's the one okay. that's nice to movies. <laughs> I, I'm also on that camp, Mackenzie. Don't worry. <laughs> Being nice to movies is just what yeah. we have to do. <laughs> uh, yeah, I will say that I, I I feel a certain way about this film. I feel very conflicted in similar ways to a lot of people on this podcast. But at the end of the day, I feel like I really feel like that boy in the television station telling his danger like he helped um, him come out to his father. And I think that's a beautiful aim of this movie. And I think if it wasn't concerned with the director's, you know, uh, goals and telling like this weird story about parents, that's not really a focus of the film, even though he really wants to be a focus. It is like this B plot that he is concerned with, but doesn't shine through because this is a story about Cassandro and at the end of the day he sees there's a duty to tell that story even if it's not told very well by saying that very long-winded statement I basically am trying to say that I think like it's it's important that this kind of story exists that Cassandra's story is reaching a wider audience never heard of Cassandra or you know the Exoticos before this film so that's important in of itself and I love that however <laughs> Um, you gotta live your truth. I here. had live it. I had I had a <laughs> lot of issues with the filmmaking here. This story is this whole this whole film is essentially told told from the perspective of two feet off the ground, looking up at everybody, which I didn't really love. Um, I understand why some choices were made. I just did not gel with them. Gail's performance is phenomenal, uh, but unfortunately, that doesn't overcome the fact that this just feels like a lackluster first effort from somebody who from what I hear from everybody else on this call is a very accomplished documentarian. So I'm going to go two stars. Two stars. Wow. <laughs> Average coming down. Guti. Let's see what you got. Let's see what you got. What a movie we picked for our oh first boy. appearance uh, on Real Latino. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sometimes they, they don't oh. all hit and that's fine. You know, you got to be honest to Latin American movies as well, because if you're not, you're not being fair. You know, you got to You got to be fair to all of them. So, you know, unfortunate. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. But uh, let's see Guti, what you got. Yeah, so I, I had a small note, and it's kind of, I feel like it's a little unfair, but I got to be honest with the kind of the way that I felt. Um, so I know that the the story takes place, you know, between El, El Paso and then, you know, different ciudades in, in Mexico. Um, but for me, from at least like my experience of my dad, you know, he travels for business a lot. He's been to El Paso, and he's told me stories about um, El Paso, and from what I know, and I could be wrong in this, like the population there, like 90% of it speaks Spanish, 95% yeah. of it speaks Spanish. Um, and for me, when they would go between Spanish and English, it kind of took me out of it um, because it just <laughs> felt like, oh, this is being made by Amazon. And it right. kind of felt like they were kind of sliding the Latin population. I don't know if that was their intention, but um, I'd rather have it just been all in Spanish and just like, you know, mm -hmm. suck it up read the subtitles um but i know that's kind of unfair but <laughs> that's just kind of the way that i felt um and then um but yeah i mean pretty much echo everything um everyone said so far you know it felt very safe there was really no risks taken um it was pretty service level by the end of this you know i didn't really know who they were um and i mean you know, I, I don't like comparing films, but we did kind of a bio doc in Richard Montañez 
And at least mm-hmm. by the end of that film, I felt that I knew who he was, even, you know, even with the conf- controversy aside, right? I felt like I knew who this person was. And even though there is safe filmmaking in there, I still felt that there was moments of heart that I just didn't really get completely here. So, I mean, if I gave that film three stars, I feel like I have to give this film two stars. Two <gasps> stars. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. We are rolling down the hill right now. Uh, Ron. <laughs> What what you got? <laughs> Tell give us the truth. Are you going to bring us back up or what? Okay, so there is a lot that this movie doesn't do, um, and uh, I and the thing about that is like I don't even know if it's trying to do what it doesn't Oof. do. Um, I I can't tell who the intended audience for this is because I feel like this is a movie that should have very explicitly been made for the Latin queer community. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that it was. Um, I, 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 I think this was made for white Academy voters, <laughs> yeah. voters to be yeah. honest with you. Um, hmm. I, uh, I'm not trying to be unkind, but it, it, pedestrian is the best word that, that I can use wow. to describe it. So the movie in and of itself, I feel like is, two stars however Uh-oh. however five there star is one bad money performance one one big <laughs> thing back in it baby one 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 big thing uh the reason that honestly i i feel like me at least i don't know about anybody else but the reason that we came to the movie Al garcia burnout um because it is very dicey having a straight man play a gay icon and also, given that like the, the 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 script and the directing choices and stuff, there isn't a lot to work with. But he does a really really good job with what little he has, and especially when he dons like a costume and everything, and he when he's you know in the ring and he's working the crowd. Um, I, as much as I love and respect him, I was a little concerned that it was going to turn into a cartoon and then it was going to be a caricature. And I was really, really into it. I, I thought he did such a good job. I thought he was very respectful of the legacy that he was, you know, trying to uphold. Um, and I, I was just so into it whenever I was watching him, especially when he was in the ring. I had such a good time. I was smiling the whole time. I, you know, and, and I couldn't help it. I couldn't help but have a good time with this really, really by the numbers movie. So, with that being said, I, I can't. I have to give it at least three and a half stars because I did have a really good time watching it. Three and a half. The half I wasn't expecting. Yeah, I was not expecting that either. <laughs> Neither was I because literally yesterday I had sworn off half stars. I, also I mean, this them. definitely isn't four. Oh, but, wrong. Ron, let me talk uh, you back to the dark side. No, 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 no. Let's let's <laughs> stick with the half star ratings. We're all good here. So, and I also just I, to go on the record, I, I feel like that's the discourse a lot. Like, can straight people play gay? And I just I don't know. I'm only one gay person in the world, but I always am of the opinion that like I don't give a shit as long as there's love and respect there. Like, who cares? Because mm-hmm. yeah. like some of my mm-hmm. favorite gay performances, like I don't know, Kate Blanchett and Carol she's ostensibly straight like you know we're mm-hmm. also assuming sexualities of people um but like 
Right. Yeah, I never for a minute felt like there was nothing but love and respect and and just like, mm-hmm. yeah, he's yeah. perfect. So that's just my on the record well, as the Mac- gay person. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Mackenzie, now we're two. And uh, from another perspective, it's perfectly fine. I mean, not another Kate Blanchett performance, Lydia Tar. I was about to say uh, Tar. Bound? <laughs> Come on, Bound, my favorite movie of all. Like, like pretty much every bound, gay movie yeah. I love stars ostensibly straight people, as far as I'm personally aware yeah, of them. If we didn't let the straight folks play the queer folks, the queer folks couldn't play the straight folks. And like, nobody wants that yeah uh you know natasha so, leone yeah, I, she can play he's... gay any day of the week you yeah. know like oh. who am i to stop <laughs> natasha leone yeah i just couldn't agree more <laughs> gucci no i was just gonna add like we've had that conversation on here too with lou diamond phillips like mm. you know he's not oh, latino yeah. but you know yeah. he's shown nothing but respect and he he's he's the biggest homie i've ever met so <laughs> one of us one of us guy. yeah great <laughs> guy uh, I mean, I'm, it's just I feel like we're all kind of like on the same wavelength here. I do feel like the the relationship with uh, Saul's parents would have been a lot like better. I feel I think there are a lot of really beautiful moments. I mean, um, when the mom uh, she just says like algún día te vas a conseguir un buen muchacho. Like one day you're gonna find a good man for you. Like that was just really nice and cute from the mom. Also like her going and introducing herself uh when saul is kind of like staring at the luchadors like oh i, I kind of know him and she's like oh i'll go talk to him for you like oh i'll i'll show like that that's very like mexican mom team but when relatable type of stuff so that was great um and uh uh two last things about like uh saul's relationship um with his mother is that like when the mom says like you know like i don't look like anyone else and then uh gael says Mejor, mucho mejor. Like that's that's great. You know, that's so much better. Like than looking like someone else. I think that was really beautiful. And the last thing, you know, the first mock-up that Cassandro has is the dress that his mom wore. So that was just really adorable, really cute to see. Um. So yeah, I just wish that it was like. I mean, even though they had all those points, it just just didn't feel fleshed out for some reason. So yeah, very unfortunate. Um. Last couple things. Gael, Joaquin Cosi, and Bad Bunny all on screen together. I was like, wow, what a freaking trio. Though I am very biased, um, you know, and, you know, Bad Bunny could have done a, a lot better, unfortunately. I mean, he does great in Bullet Train, but, you know, like, it is what it is. Uh, we, we keep on going. We keep going. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that kiss from Gael and Bad Bunny, uh, it feels like it could have been a kiss by, like, uh, Margot Robbie and Taylor Swift in that, like, you get this, like, incredibly iconic actor and then this incredibly iconic musical like act and then have them in the movie kissing that i mean that'd be that would have been amazing and like, like they do a good job but with like one kiss and then they, that's it you know i think Mackenzie said it earlier like i thought they were gonna make out and like <laughs> no, no nothing no, no, not a not, not, nothing else so um yeah unfortunately it just feels like the directors and writers didn't really live and breathe the material. They didn't really have like a clear vision on the type of story they wanted to tell. Um, and yeah, it just felt like a bullet point list of all the events in life. Um, so yeah, this wasn't really like a strong tone in the movie. That said, I really do love Garcia Bernal. I'm going to be at, I think like three stars. Yeah. I, you know, three stars. It's good. It's fine. It's serviceable. Unfortunately, I was between two and a half and three stars, but you know, sometimes you just got to give it to them, you know? So three stars, three stars. You know, I, I just, I'm known in the podcast to just overinflate my, my ratings anyway. So I might as well just lean into the bit. So yeah. Uh, 
That's it. Is Kate Blanchett Latina? We got to go find out because all this Kate Blanchett talk is just Nightmare Alley. insane. I'm, yeah, Nightmare Alley. Oh my God, Mackenzie, thank you for producing for Real Latinos here because this is uh, we're gonna need we're gonna need you on deck seriously. A film full uh, of people who are Latino. We do Rooney Mara, crossover. Bradley Cooper. <laughs> Tony Collette. We could, yeah. that, that, we could do a crossover where Criterion Connection Wonderful, does the yeah. G Nightmare Alley. Oh. And then Latino oh, does the yeah, there you go. Now I'm down for that. Oh. Yeah, I bet you were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I you just know how to get to Booty. All I got to say, the movie's in black he, he and white. that Nightmare Alley. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is, you know. So, um... Yeah, I think that's uh, about it. That's all the Cassandra talk that we have here for today. No correspondence, no one uh, sending us an email today. So, But if you do want to hear your thoughts on this movie, on Cassandra, or on any movie, or just want to say hi, go ahead and send us an email to reallatinos.gmail.com. That's R-E-E-L-L-A-T-I-N-O-S-A-G-M-A-L-C-O-M. We have two reviews to highlight today, both for Cassandra. So first review that we have to uh, highlight today is that of kev kev uh well kev's username is kev on letterbox so go ahead and check out kev but kev is also um many times having uh reviews here on the show but also is one of the co-hosts for the austin danger podcast that we have here with Mackenzie. Mackenzie mm-hmm, works for Mackenzie mm-hmm. mondays so um kev writes for cassandro really enjoyable saturday afternoon kind of movie elevated by a killer visual style anybody who has ever watched wrestling current or classic will immediately recognize the feel of even the most typical shots the intimacy of live sports three and a half stars from kev wow that's uh i know kev's a uh wwe uh fanatic isn't he so mm-hmm. you know i think so uh, yeah he's he's in on that he's real in on that um, Kev, you should watch some triple A, you know, some some of that lucha libre. I know that you love it, and if you already do, then uh, you've stolen my heart yet again. <laughs> but uh, uh, we also have another review to highlight that of Drew A. Drew uh, Drew's letterbox uh, handle is Avatar Man eight eight eight, and Drew writes, Gael doesn't miss. The cinematography was sublime. The score complete, uh, complemented almost every scene of the film, from the intimate ones to the grand sequences inside and around their squared circle. Also, Gael's fit game in this, perfecto. Big Real Latinos up and coming. Thank you so much, Drew, for a three and a half star rating for Cassandra. Also three and a half. Everyone's on Ron's team you, right Drew. now. Whoa. Yeah, thank you, Drew. Wow. <laughs> Did we miss something? Mackenzie, are we going to go back and change our reviews? <laughs> I Leave Ian and Guti on the two star. I am definitely lower than pretty much all my mutuals. So who knows? <laughs> who knows? Yeah, who knows? Maybe, maybe I'm just wrong. Maybe my opinions are just wrong. I've been told that before by certain. They wouldn't be called opinions if they were right. Wrong. right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think that about does it for our show today. The only thing that we have left to do is plug our next episode it is my pick next week uh, and i really wish that i had um done some more digging as to what i was going to choose but you know i'm just going to go with three weeks man. i had three, had weeks three weeks to weeks. do it Come on. Not, not a single day went by when i thought what's my pick so um but i got my pick um we are this episode uh that we're going to record is going to be our first one in october so i decided to pivot to the uh, horror genre i know that you can watch horror any time of the year but what better time than october and um very recently i had watched a movie this is not my pick but very recently i watched a um i watched an anthology movie called satanic hispanics and it was since it was an anthology there were five different directors 
And one of the directors, his sequence, I thought was like a five-star sequence. I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. And I had one of his movies on my watch list for a while. So next week, we're going to be covering Aterrados, Terrified by Demian Rugna, an Argentinian film available on Shudder. Um, the poster is terrifying. It looks really, really gross. And <laughs> so is that oh, banner. Yeah, and the banner on Letterboxd is just absolutely like, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's look, uh, it looks like it's going to be pretty gnarly. So, um, you know, I just, uh, <laughs> I've, I think I was going to choose this pick actually last year, but then I decided to go with uh, La Llorona, I think. I think that's what happened. But either way, um, yeah, terrified. Terrified next week. It looks really bad. I, I, like, I think I might regret it. By this it poster. Looks, it looks horrendous. Cool. Yeah, really, really horrendous. So um, I'm really sorry for all our listeners. Oh, I'm going to do the double feature. Uh, so, yeah. Oh, man, some of those alternate posters. Oh. Are, uh... Yeah, I just changed mine to the, to the black and white one. Oh my god, that black and white one was really. Oh my god. Oh yeah, I might have to skip this in my great real Latinas catch up and just listen to the episode. Sorry, I didn't. This was the one that's not even in the horror movies. He's he's a self-proclaimed weenie. I was talking to Ron earlier today about how I really don't want to watch it, just because I'm just really. I don't know. I'm just I'm just a scary cat, but. You know, sometimes you just got to dive into the deep end. Jackie loves horror movies. I'm sure that she's going to love watching this one. So, Aterrados, terrified. That's our next pick for next week. Um, so, before we leave, Ian, where can people find you on the internet? They can find me on the Criterion Connection. Nowhere else. Nowhere else. I am. Nowhere else. Don't find me on <laughs> Not even Letterboxd. Don't. I don't use it. Oh, Letterbox is that social media? Yeah. That's just my personal diary. Are people looking at those? Uh, I do. I read your diary every day then. I mean, I look at Letterboxd all the time. So. Yeah, that. people can find me on Letterbox. I am at Ian Layden. I-A-N-L-A-Y-D-E-N. No periods, no underscores, no spaces, no nothing like that. I am the one and only yeah, Ian Layden. Mas. Very good. Thank you, Ian. <laughs> Mackenzie, where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, I'm not doing the Instagram, Twitter x thing as much anymore but i am on letterbox at mckenzie wilkes i should get a lock on mckenzo at some point i should see if i can can scoop that but for now i am mckenzie wilkes uh and then yeah i'm also on obviously the criterion connection and austin danger podcast every single monday uh yeah mckenzo mondays as they call it mckenzo mondays as they as they are (laughs) as as it's in the book the great book of life (laughs) book of revelations (laughs) i think is where it is yeah yeah. (laughs) in the bible it was decreed (laughs) mckenzo monday the only thing the old and new testament yeah it's just everywhere everywhere, mondays yeah yeah um where can people find you on the internet uh, you can find me at Letterboxd, uh, Finn Cinema Dreams. And then, you know, if you like the oldies like I do, you can also find me at Finite Cinema Dreams on Substack. Uh, that's also my Instagram handle. So, yeah. Fantastic. Find me there. All right. Ron, where can people find you? I'm up. I'm also on Letterboxd, Ron Jimenez, all one word. Ron Jimenez. And you can find me, Ismael Villegas Molina, with my initials IVM on Letterboxd. That's IV as in videos, M as in for movies. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us for yet another wonderful episode of Latinos Blues. Queremos muchísimo. Nos vemos hasta la próxima y adiós. 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 Real Latinos is a podcast written, produced, and hosted by Christian Gutierrez, Ron Jimenez, and Ismael Villegas Molina. Mixed and edited by Ron Jimenez. Artwork 
provided by Lisa Jimenez, Ron Jimenez, and Ismael Villegas Bonina. Original music provided by Tony Romata. Muchas gracias y hasta la próxima.